HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, June 6th. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Orpozo. I write about people who make food. You can find my work and me as at wordsfoodart.com. I'm 34, straight and single. And I'm your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am an astronaut and <laughs> endangered species animal rescuer. You can, oh, I thought uh, you were going to say you're an endangered species. Like, yes, you are. I am. Yes, my species you are. is You're the one and only very soon. Um, I am 33 straight and single. Oh, I love today already. Uh, later in the show, we're going to welcome back Chef Ariane Resnick. Last season, she joined us for our Ladies Who Lime show and shared how she coaches clients into eating intuitively. So for our third installment of our Our Bodies Ourselves series, we're going to ask her to break down how to listen to our bodies to find out what they want us to be eating for optimum health and sexy happiness. Eating intuitively. Eating intuitively. We're going to intuitively eat today. Um, but before we get to that, let's start out the show with each sharing one kind thing we want to do uh, for our bodies in the next two weeks since we're off the show next week, or a win for our body from the last two weeks since we were not here last week. Mm. You go first. All right. I need to do some kind things to my body. I've got like this weird tension growing in the like the back of my head, my neck, no. my jaw. And I've been experiencing these like spasms. And so I just need this to... This is not where I thought this question was going to go. I'm worried about you no, now. What's it's wrong? Totally fine. It's actually been... Are you dehydrated? No, it's actually been going... I've been like... I mean, I'm not experiencing spasms like all the time. It's just when I, I actively try to release my 
body and tension in my body because try to release tension in your I body. I do as How an do you actor do that? by breathing right. and God, come on now. <laughs> This is a PG version no, today. No, it's not. We're keeping, I'm keeping in mind. No, totally. it's not. You're, Anyways, yeah, you're mind you release out of the gutter, tension in your body. So I do try to release tension in my body, and it's only then when like, I'm really trying to get deep release that I've been experiencing these like weird spasms in my jaw. Um, so I'm just going to continue, I think. Like, deep release, sorry. Oh, my God. Where is your mind today? Oh, I'm having a good Someone day. Someone needs to get laid. So no, right. actually, I, well, anyway, let's not go there. <laughs> so wait, but what's your goal, though? What's your my goal? My goal is to, I think I need to lie on my back 30 minutes every day in the morning when I wake up. And, uh, I know someone who can get you to lie on your back. Oh, my dear Lord. <laughs> who right, are so you? What's, what's what goal? did you do with Jacqueline? What's the goal? This I haven't dirty, seen you in a couple weeks. Dirty girl. I missed here. you, Ben. Oh uh, what's happened? So, what's the goal? What's the so, the goal is goal? to lie, as I was saying, to lie on my back for 30 minutes every morning and do some breathing and some stretching and, you know, try to undo some of the tension that's been growing. That's a good idea. I have, I'm going to bring you next time, I'm going to bring you um, our guest while you were gone, Marcia Polis, has this whole little Pilates, she calls it a foot kit, which has like a dowel and a large ball and a tiny ball. A dowel? And a, what are you going to do with that dowel the tiny ball? <laughs> it's a tiny me, dowel. It it's an unsatisfying dowel. Um, no, but it's great for helping to like dig into the fascia of certain body parts and I will bring you one because that I think will maybe help with the base of your neck and will help with your breathing and I'll talk to Marcia and get Thank back you. to you. Thank you. very um, kind. How about you? What's your... Uh... Michael's pretty simple. It it's, comes from both the session we're going to have with Ariane later, and also um, I'm part of a group called the Goldilocks Movement, and the leader of that, Iris Higgins, is going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. Don't say anything sarcastic about the day and the, ner- <laughs> the, Goldi- the, day of the Goldilocks <laughs> Movement. I can see it on your face. This one's just right. We're get, we're going to get into it in a couple of weeks, but basically it's a it's a uh, website and group that helps women just sort of, it's got workshops and meditations and this and that. And a prompt this morning was like one small thing you want to do for yourself every single day that you can commit to. So between that idea and having Ariane on, I was like, you know what? I want to thank my food. Like I try, especially when I have animal products to, before I eat it, be like, just to recognize that I'm eating what was another living thing. So you're talking to dead things. I do talk to dead things and I do hug trees. I'm sorry. It just, it's something that exists for me. Um, but I want to do that more and it's part of, it comes from my meditation practice in the school that I'm under that you say this prayer thanking the earth that made all the food that you, that you were about to eat. And what I do for myself is I thank it for coming into my body and try to pledge, especially when eating animal products that I will use that life and that energy to do the best I can for the world with my life and my energy. And I haven't, I've fallen out of practice with that. And so that's something that at least with one meal a day, I just want to have a moment where I stop and thank my food. That's very sweet. Does it say you're welcome? It does in my belly. <laughs> it does when it's like, I'm like, ooh, lamb, you're delicious. Thank oh, you. And it's I could like, go for like a rack of lamb right I made, now. I made some pretty damn good Did lamb you? this weekend. How'd you prepare yeah. it? Uh, well, I had two. I had this, this loin chop and then I had these sort of back rib things. And so I... Some of them I just uh, broiled. The others I like seared to a nice crispy crust and a lot of butter and some really good like lime pepper. How come you didn't invite me and over good for salt? Any of this? Because somebody's got a lady friend that he's spending a lot of time with. All now. right, all right. All right. Um, so let's all right. So let's keep on talking about food. So um, so Ben, you know that I've got a lot of food shit. Uh, I have celiac, which I, I only know. got diagnosed with in in December. But even before that, I've been off gluten since I was a kid because of my whole Lyme disease thing we've talked about. And it's, and I work as a food writer. So it's a pain in the ass a lot. A lot of the people I work with have no idea because I'm bashful about it. And it does make dating. It's both, it's a double-edged sword of like, it can be a good introduction to talking to someone about my health issues, 
but it can also just be a pain in the ass if I don't feel like it. But I find that when like, if you bring up the word gluten, most people start rolling their eyes before you're even done with the N. A lot of people do. And I understand that because I'm the same way with a lot of people who don't have legitimate issues who like, oh, I'm reducing my gluten intake. And I want to call out the BS of a lot of what they then tell me as somebody who has worked with nutrition as a child. Sure. So my question for you is, if you were to go on a date with a lady with my issues, okay. How? What would the sexy? What would the sexiest way be to present this? The sexiest without be, without having to get into the whole discussion and without making it seem like like I own it. It's nothing I'm bashful about. I just don't feel like talking about it, and it's also a pain in the ass. Totally. When you well, you out. said sometimes you're bashful about it, and then like thirty well, seconds later, you said it's not. Well, with, I'm no, no, no. About. With work, with work people, I'm bashful sure. about it. with chefs since I work but with a professional. I would say that you're not. You're the fact that you're not. I mean, bashful, whatever. But like the fact that you are secure about it is in itself that'll like, stop you from eye rolling if i were a girl you did not know and yeah but i mean i think you could it. i think you could play on your own security about it and be like you don't have to go into the full depth of like everything obviously on the first date you know right. but like just be like yeah i've got these like i have these pretty severe food allergies whatever it is i i think for me one one thing that would like make me feel more comfortable or would be more attractive to me would be telling me how much you like these foods in spite of the fact that you can't eat them. Oh, I do that all the time. I talk about beer and bread like it's nobody's business. Because for me, the turnoff oh. is like, look, if someone has a severe allergy as you do, I mean, everyone's got shit in all sorts of different areas of life and someone's real shit is not going to be a turnoff to me. Um, to me, a turnoff is a picky eater. Or a snob about it. Yeah. And so I think just like, you know, I don't want to say brushing it off because it is such a big, it is a big part of your life and a big part of, you know, how you have to cope with being in the world as Jacqueline Raposo. Um, But I think just like owning it, being honest about it, but not going necessarily going into depth about it. And then also perhaps throwing in about like, oh my God, I wish I could, you know. I do. I always throw in at the end of it, like, but anything I can eat, I fucking eat like yeah. you know that's why we were like oh so are you vegetarian too like no i eat a lot of meat yeah um well let's go to the picky thing because i like to think that somebody being a picky eater is not a is not a turn off or a um you know a breaking point but like how important like i but when Let i think about it, it when i think about it like my favorite memories of men that i've dated are all that they require is that we basically cook food together for a long period of time for like hours. And it could be like last summer with the filmmaker, we went to, I was house sitting for my brother and I'd made like corn stock and then we went and got all this fresh seafood and I made corn chowder and he, we got oysters and he was shucking oysters and we sat outside with like cheese and charcuterie. And it was just a laziest meal that lasted four or five hours. My ex before him, it was the same thing. We could cook together for four or five hours just talking and drinking and cooking. And when I think about my favorite dating memories, that's all they are. It's so simple. So like, I don't, you're a big food person and that's just, a huge yeah, part not of your even, life. Not even the, professionally, just as the culture totally, of, of it. And so I don't know, like, I, like I think it's a lot more, I didn't realize how sexy that is to me and somebody until I started like just thinking about like, Oh, what are my favorite memories with these significant men that I've dated? Like the 10 year guy, we cooked a shitload together. He's an amazing cook. So, like, how important is that for you? It's it's pretty important, and I think picky eater for me is a little bit of a turnoff, not just by virtue of the fact that they're picky eater, but because of the things for me that it um, 
symbolizes. It implies that they might be a little bit more close-minded yes, to absolutely potential experiences. That. Absolutely that. And I also know from my own like little bit of dabbling in psychology that picky eating is very often something that a child develops at a young age to exert control. And mm, so, that makes like, complete I sense find, to me as somebody who's a nanny and babysit all the time there and you teach go. young children. Yes. So I often get a sense that when someone is a super picky eater, that they also might have be a little bit of a control freak and have some like control issues. So that's more significant than somebody with gluten issues or definitely, dairy issues. Definitely than someone who has a severe allergy that they have no control over. I'm not saying I would never date somebody seriously who's a picky eater, oh. but it might be something that will diminish... The experiences yeah, we have can to have go out together. To like a, when you, I love. I mean, part of my problem is that like I sometimes have trouble choosing which restaurant to go to because I love everything. Right. But or yeah, and like even with my job today, you are coming with me to two amazing food events after the show totally today. Psyched. That like I have tickets for, and there's going to be amazing food and free alcohol and awesome people. And no offense, but I hope that when I start dating somebody significantly, he can be the person to come with me. Totally, to and that you don't want that. You don't want him to be like, oh yeah, well, what are they serving? Like, should I eat? Before? For because exactly. like I don't know if I'm gonna like what they it's like just yeah. fucking like it yeah agreed agreed all right well so thank you for making me feel not like such a bitch when I'm you know when you're certainly not a bitch at all and I think like your positive attitude surrounding I mean that you generally maintain surrounding your illness and your food thank allergies you. is like a turn on Ew. so like I think owning that as much as possible just oh, being like yeah I'd love to Oh my god, baby. <laughs> All right, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We need, um, a, we need a break to we be do. alone for a moment. Oh dear. But uh, before we do, look, most of what we talk about, um, the dating discussions we have on our show center around New York City because we live here. Duh. But next week, we are bringing you our first travel show Ooh. where Jacqueline shares what she learned about love from 30 people she recently interviewed in San Antonio, Texas. Yeehaw. Right, nobody said yeah while I was there. They didn't? <laughs> no. Oh, this is and I like, only saw five cowboy hats. Uh, and I did not meet my Matthew, my, my, my Saracen, if anybody watches Friday Night Lights. Anyway, oh, sorry Matt for interrupting. Sarah, is that even the guy you have a crush on from no, Friday Night Lights? No, it's just, no. Not yeah, Higgins? Pe- Oh, Riggins. 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 I saw like many properties that I was like, oh, this is where Timmy Riggins lives. This is where Timmy. Yeah. No, All right, listen, Tim- oh, we need totally to get to this break. Timmy. Totally so, Timmy Riggins. Listen, Team now Timmy. that you guys have listened to us for a while, <laughs> please, if there's anything that we've talked about that doesn't make sense at all dating wise where you live, Please share it with us. Shoot us an email at lovebytesradio at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and let us know how you love where you are. We'll be right back. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal 
bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Ariane Resnick is a private chef and nutritionist in Los Angeles who specializes in organic farm-to-table cuisine that she can cater not only to those who don't eat gluten or animal products, but also to those with dietary restrictions that include dairy, soy, grains, sugars, basically whatever you need. She's cooked for celebrities, was a contestant on Food Network's Chopped, and published her first book, The Bone Broth Miracle, in 2015 with Skyhorse Publishing. You can find more about Ariane at www.ariannecooks.com and on our website. Welcome back to Love Fights, Ariane. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you so much. So on our last show, it's yeah, it's great to hear your voice again. Um, On our last show, we touched upon you coaching clients in intuitive eating. So can you just first off explain to us what intuitive eating is? Sure. Um, It's very simple. It is just the process of separating how you've been told to feel about food and how that food and how food will make you feel versus how it actually does. And then from there, eating the foods that you feel guided to eat based on listening to your body versus based on listening to what the outside world has told you about either specific foods or the health issues you have and how specific foods should help with them. Did you discover that personally or professionally and sort of what is the impact of that, especially since there are so many diets out there that when you go through health issues, specifically people tell you to eat a certain way. So like, how did you discover the significance of it? Uh, It was definitely both personal and professional. I began my nutritionist work in a pretty standard way where people came to me with health issues, wanting to know what foods were good for those issues. And what I discovered was Anyone who is fairly astute about their conditions has likely tried a lot of the things you're going to recommend for those conditions and hasn't necessarily experienced the results they were looking for. So where I was coming from was this sort of, well, here's what my education told me to do place that didn't really line up with what I felt I should do. And what I do personally and what I had done in my own wellness was to just eat what I felt like my body wanted, whether or not it was appropriate for the specific health issues I had. So what I discovered was that when I began using that approach with clients, we had a lot more success. Hmm. What resistance did you feel from them in the beginning, or if you, if, if you felt any resistance from them? Oh, lots, for sure. Um, there are, whatever diet is currently popular, um, and people tend to have pretty strong feelings about and whatever diet <laughs> yeah. someone has adapted for a long time they tend to have pretty strong feelings about and we live in a society where for the first time in history we get to choose whatever it is we want to consume that's never happened before we've always just been dependent on our environment and what grows when and where we are to tell us what to eat but now we have access to pretty much anything all the time so we get to choose our diets based on our ideologies And while that is a beautiful concept in terms of choice and variety, it doesn't tend to work as well for our actual physical beings. And a lot of the time, diets become popular because they work for some people, 
And every body is just its own unique body, and there's no way that any one protocol for anything works 100% across the board for everyone. So the biggest challenge uh, that I've faced with people is the just initial gut reaction of, but I was told this is the thing and it will work. And really, that's just a matter of a conversation in which you discuss, well, let's talk about how it's not working. When I hear eat intuitively, and like that means like eat whatever your body tells you. I like when I eat and what my body tells me, it's like fried chicken and <laughs> donuts and stuff like that. How do you? That's not. <laughs> how do you that's listen? Your body, that's your taste buds. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, how do I learn to listen to my body then? And like, could you guide me through like how what that process of like teaching me to do that would be like? Sure. So let's say you're craving fried chicken. Yeah. And what is it about the fried chicken you're craving? It's the protein, it's the salt, and it's the crunch in all likelihood. Am I am I right? You're nailing the, it. The points and the hot sauce on? probably that I would dip it in. And the sauce that you dip it in. Yeah. Okay, which is probably sugar. Pepper probably or okay. peppers. Yeah, peppers so, and salt. More so salt. Yeah, sugar and salt. So we would very much honor the fact that you're craving protein. And then you want all these other tastes and textures to go along with it. To me, fried chicken wouldn't be something that I'd say because I don't personally eat poultry. My body doesn't tend to want poultry. So it means something that you want fried chicken. It means that your body wants protein. So then we come up with other things that we can put on it that would still satisfy that crunch and that texture, but that would work probably a bit better for you. And things that it could be dipped in that might have those same tastes and textures but would be more healthful. Mm. So there's nothing wrong with saying, I crave fried chicken. It's whether you're wanting protein or sweets or vegetables, carbohydrates, like that says a lot. And what I've discovered in working with people is that as you get them to eat more and more food that is made simply of food versus an assortment of food-like ingredients, their cravings tend to get simpler and simpler, and they tend to get pretty self-explanatory, like, I really want something sweet right now, and I know that every time I eat a big bowl full of grapes, I have no digestive problem, so that's my choice for something sweet at the moment. That really makes a lot of that's sense. very smart, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to <laughs> piggyback on what Ben just said as far as reaching for fries and fried chicken. I think for a lot of people, it's also alcohol, or people talk about their sweet tooth, and sort of, especially mm-hmm. during times of stress and sorrow, reaching for, like, it's almost a cliche with dating that, like, with a breakup, you your best friends are Ben and Jerry. It's definitely a cliche. It's not almost a cliche. It's definitely a cliche. So what about, um, what about the emotional or mental connection to craving food have you learned how to how to break because i think a lot of us even those of us who don't have physical illnesses reach for those high fat high sugar foods to soothe emotional needs so like what is how do you separate that from people's cravings and understandings and practices sure so it's um it's pretty individual what people want and typically it can be traced back to what the food does for you like white flour releases serotonin in your system and dairy products have casein which is a calming agent so i tend to use more healthful versions of those foods in conjunction with uh, either lifestyle choices or supplements that will also help create that sense of calm so say we have something like ice cream which is sugar and fat, and the fat specifically being dairy, it's calming. 
So the first thing you want to look at is, does this person digest dairy well? If someone doesn't digest dairy well, then we're going to move directly into a non-dairy but still full-fat um, type of food like a coconut base instead of a heavy cream base. If they do digest dairy fine, then that's not a problem. The problem is that when you combine the sugar and the fat, you tend to have some extra fat on your body because we really, at any given point in time, our bodies can only process and burn one fuel. So if you eat carbs and no fat, then your body burns carbs. And if you eat fat and no carbs, then your body burns fat. But when you combine the two, your body chooses to burn the carbs and store the fat. Interesting. So that's where you end up with the troubles. Um, So if someone is in a situation where, you know, they don't have any digestive issues at all and they're just like, ice cream, I want ice cream all the time. And you don't necessarily want to take that casein from them that they're feeling better off of and give them a pill for it instead, which they do make. Um, Because there's nothing wrong with getting good feelings out of whole foods. You just want to avoid the inflammatory reaction and the weight gaining reaction of combining sugar and dairy. So you work with lower sugar or sugar-free options or sugars made from more whole foods that are slower to digest and slower to absorb into the body and have some fiber so that the impact is less on the system. I definitely don't believe in telling people, you want ice cream because you're sad. You should not eat ice cream because you're sad. You need to go figure out how to get happy. We have so much emotion wrapped up in food, and it's a joyful thing. We eat with friends. Like breaking bread is a term for a reason. It's what we do together. So I never seek to just remove things from people's lives that make them happy. I seek more to help them work with those foods, to use them in a way that their body isn't being dependent on and can get joy from. Not necessarily, there's, like, there's no need, obviously, for a pint of ice cream at a time. So what are the things we can do to incite good feelings in you before you even reach for the ice cream? Is there breath work you can do? Is there meditation? Is there a walk around the block? What are the things you can do to get into that better place before you reach for the food? And then when you do reach for the food, reach for the most helpful version of it that your body is going to respond to the most kindly, and you'll innately feel that you don't need as much of it. Speaking of um, just preparing yourself to feel better in general, I read an article about you in my research that uh, you suffered from imposter syndrome, which uh, for our (laughs) listeners, um, it's the idea that you constantly feel unequipped to be in the profession you're in, no matter your training or experiences. Oh my God, I I, suffer from that. Yeah, I sent Ben the article a while ago, like Maya Angelou suffered from it. A lot of successful people suffer from it. I definitely battle with it all the time. So I read that like when you were expanding your business, you don't just do private chefing. You've got a couple different aspects of this industry and that when you were trying to expand that, it was something you definitely had to embrace and battle. So has intuitive eating or listening to your body helped you make positive changes in your life not directly related to food? Oh, definitely. Um, on, the, on the imposter syndrome subject, um, it was Forbes doing an article on me where I disclosed that one. Um, and I was like, wow, what a choice of venues to (laughs) make that public in. Um, And, you know, I don't don't currently um, even do much private chef work anymore. I've managed to migrate almost entirely into what I've wanted to do most, which is recipe writing and public speaking and writing cookbooks where I'm really reaching a larger audience. And the larger an audience you reach, really, I think the less equipped you feel because you're touching progressively more and more lives. And there was some actor who said in recent years that... 
anyone who isn't having imposter syndrome probably isn't nearly as good at what they're doing oh, because like there's that. an aspect of humbleness <laughs> so that you kind of have to keep to stay human in what you do so that as you touch people and as you reach them, you're able to connect with them. Oh, I really like versus that. Versus just being this like nameless face. So um, how I eat and just operate is, is so indicative of how I operate my life, which is really, and it sounds so strange when I say it to people, but I use my brain as little as possible in life decisions. I use it for things where it's necessary, like driving. But when it comes to my life, I operate pretty instinctively. I go with whatever feels best and whatever feels like a big challenge that will create something amazing in any given moment. And that's how I learned how to eat. Just what does your sense, your, you know, just base human instinct tell you to do right now? And that's how I live. And I have found that it works so much better than trying to structure and plan and make all these brain decisions when our brain was meant to be more of a tool than the thing we operate through entirely. How did you learn to make that shift? Gradually. <laughs> Gradually. I let instinct decide one decision, and it worked out, so I let it decide another one. And little <laughs> by little moved into a place where suddenly now I find myself, after all the decisions I've made, being like, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? Um, and doing it anyway and loving it and growing more and more professionally and in the world um, and reaching more people because of it. Well, I, when I, I feel like when you expand and when you put yourself out there more in the world, there are going to be inevitable failures, whether it's because of a choice that you make instinctually that just doesn't pan out or because mm -hmm. of outside forces. Mm -hmm. So how does this sort of, um, especially with the idea of moving intuitively throughout your life in general, how does that sort of comfort you, though, when those inevitable losses do happen as they happen to all of us, anybody who runs their own business? How do you bounce back from it? They do. You learn from what goes wrong. Um, my most recent example would be I did, um, I just graduated yesterday from a nine month long Kundalini yoga teacher training. Congratulations. Oh, I love Kundalini. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I didn't do it to become a yoga teacher. I did it because I love in public speaking, uh, incorporating like breath work and guided meditation and that sort of thing. And I just wanted to know that I was choosing the right things for the right circumstances. So I did this big, long course, and I love Kundalini on my own anyway. And towards the end in April, what, um, what I discovered was that the textbook was really outdated and misogynistic and did not mention the existence of gay people really at all. And I had a very difficult time with that, and I was really vocal. And I alienated a lot of my peers, and I lost a couple friends, and in turn, they're changing the textbooks. Yay! Wow. So, Good for you. <laughs> so I did, thank you, I did a great thing, but it was so difficult socially. It was like being in high school all over again, but a really mm -hmm. bad version of high school that I never actually, thank heavens, had to experience where I went from, you know, I always had my little yoga BFF to sit next to, to suddenly there's an empty spot next to me, but the room is full. Mm. And from that, I learned, how can I be more relatable next time? How can I convey a message and create change in a way that makes other people not so uncomfortable? Oh, that's really beautiful. That's a great life lesson. So that's the thing I'm working on now, because I don't actually know how to do that yet. Sure. Uh, it was very, but that's, that's what I took from it was 
how can I create more positive change from this thing that didn't work out so well in certain ways? That's great. Ariane, there are obvious correlations between the rise of certain illnesses or chronic conditions and the foods we eat. And we are both curious from your perspective, where do you hope for change in how our nation eats as a whole? Um, I would love if we return to eating food. We eat so many things that we call food that just aren't. And that's where most of our problems have come from, outside of what we've done to food. Um, with what we've done to wheat and corn uh, and all the foods really that everyone has all these allergies to now, if we were able to backtrack a bit and return them to some version of the form they were before, and if we were able to just eat foods with less ingredients and less packaged foods, um, we would do so well as a people. And all of the diets nowadays that are healing for people that are working out really well are very whole foods-based and I think the more, um, the more notoriety, things like the autoimmune paleo protocol and the GAP diet, all these diets that really help people get, um, the more people hopefully will realize, oh, these diets aren't that crazy or that particular. They just have you eating real food. I agree. As somebody who, like, during the, our first segment, I said, like, I have celiac and I've been off dairy since I was a kid and I've had Lyme disease. And it really, it's funny how not big of a deal it is as an eater, as somebody who eats well and heartily and cooks and is ha has a happy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. I 100% uh, agree with you that it's not it's not a hardship and it's not a diet. It's a beautiful way of life. So thank you for sharing that. Um, before we let you go, we started the show with Ben and I each sharing a goal that we have for the next two weeks about how to be kinder for our bodies. So I'd love for you to share either a small goal that you have for your body in the upcoming weeks or a win that you feel you've sort of had from you know the past couple of weeks. Um, a goal that I have, I think, pretty ongoing is just to be more grateful for however my body is currently behaving in the moment. I tend to be very lofty in my goals of impeccable wellness and impeccable, you know, personal, my version of fitness. Um, and to just be able to, at any given moment, say, this is perfect oh. is kind of an ongoing goal of mine. Yeah. To say, good, good job, body. Good job, Ariane's yeah, exactly. body. It's yeah. doing the best yeah. it can. We're good. Yeah, I'm exactly. always telling other people to do it. Yeah. Um, and it, it's my biggest challenge for sure. Awesome. We well, wish you luck in that goal. You've yeah. been a great guest. You've been a too, wonderful so guest. Thank you. Thank very, you. We're so glad much. that we got to have yeah. you back. Thanks for coming back to the show. Listeners, Ariane oh, Resnick, brother. thank you so much. Ariane Resnick can be found at www.ariannecooks.com. A lot of information and links to her are on our website, lovebitesradio.com. That is our show for today. Next week, come back as we explore love in San Antonio, Texas. Until then, thanks to our engineer, Pierre. That was stellar interview music pier we were like jamming out in here i want to get freaky I love something it. like I that love That's... it um and other than that amazing song our freaky. theme song is give love by josh dion and we are jacqueline repose and ben rosenblatt we'll be back next week here at heritage radio network.org listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. 
You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.